So we are going to keep going through Genesis. So Quinn back there, who's shutting the doors for me, if you guys need a Bible, if anybody needs a Bible, Quinn can get you a Bible. Uh, Or if you want to look it up on your phone, whatever you use to have the Bible, it's Genesis 3, uh, 16 through 24. So we're going to finish out chapter 3 today. Yeah. And then as, uh, so I finished my notes and then now as I'm looking at them, I think I'm going to completely flip the order. So if I seem like I'm shoveling papers around, it's because I think I want to do this in reverse. We'll do a little inception sermon. So you guys good? Got scriptures? So if you would stand with me while we uh, read Genesis three sixteen through 24. And this, remember last week, we, uh, we finished the story of the serpent then has deceived Eve and we unpacked that. And then we, we kind of stopped right in the middle of one section because we saw the, the curse on the serpent, which that was the proto-evangelium, which is, um, you will bruise his heel. He will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. And we went through that. And so we're picking up right after God speaking to the serpent. He's going to speak to Eve and he's going to speak to Adam. And then we're going to actually close out chapter three. So picking up in verse 16, he says to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your, uh, your sorrow and your conception in pain. You'll, you shall bring forth children. Your desire desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and you have eaten from the tree, which I commanded you saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake and toil. You shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles. It shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the herb of the field and the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread to, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And now, at least he put, on, put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword, which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Let's pray. Father, first, we just thank you. Thank you for everything that we take for granted in this life. Thank you for your grace that we've experienced all day long. And probably um, so many times I know I just take it for granted. So, Lord, thank you for a beautiful day. Thank you for life. Thank you for all the good things that I experience in this life and knowing that's your grace uh, shining down on us, Lord, not deserving any of it. But you've you've not only redeemed us, but, Lord, you've given us uh, your common graces among us. Um, Holy Spirit, would you help us as we study your word together? As all of us look into your word, we um, discover who you are and in turn discover who we are as we study your word. Lord, would you grant me wisdom? Holy Spirit, would you speak through me and would you open all of our ears and soften all of our hearts uh, for what you have to say this evening? Lord, I pray that we would leave here with um, something that we can put into action in our week 
in our workplace, in our neighborhood, in our families, in the unique places that you've called us individually. And I ask that you would knit our hearts together as a family, Lord. Um, ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes, and have a seat. Thank you. So, quick review, because like I was saying, we kind of jumped right back into the middle of of one thought here. And this is Adam and Eve eating of the tree. Like I just said, it's the, what's referred to as the proto evangelium. So this is the first, it's referred to as the first picture of the gospel. Um, with the, you will bruise his head and he shall bruise your heel, which if you remember, we unpacked last week, it's alluding to that. There's going to be now this struggle with humanity and with Satan all throughout life. And there's no hint in that hint in that verse of who's going to be the victor. But then we also see in Romans, Paul, uh, it's the one time we see referred to back in this, in that, um, God will crush the serpent's head and he does it through the church. And so we learned last week, um, there was a lot of different bullet points, but we ended with that. We have a responsibility as the church to, you don't got to worry about those. Uh, we have a responsibility as a church to, to be active and that we are the, I I say this constantly, but, um, that's because I wanted to get it into all of our heads and even mine, that we are the tangible hands and feet of Christ, the mobile temples on this earth. And so we don't sit back and wait for just a miracle to happen. That makes no sense, but God has called us to be his vessels to move and to be active in this life. So as we're unpacking that last week, so now we're going to what's commonly referred to chapter three. Uh, all of chapter three is, is referred to the fall and the curse. And we've been, as we've been going through Genesis, we've been going really, um, if you've been with us since the beginning, we've been going very detailed, very nitpicky, very verse by verse as what month is it? It's June and we're only to chapter three. So we've obviously been going really slow. So this is the, I want to kind of set up, set us up now is we're going to zoom out because a, a greater story or the main theme is starting to take shape. And we're going to jump into, um, as we go through these next chapters, I want the main thing to be, um, apparent that that's the thing that we're focusing on. Um, Chapters three, we're, we're going to see the fall here, or we saw the fall in chapter three, where Adam and Eve ate of the tree. And then we're going to unpack the curse today, what that means. Um, and then moving forward, we're going to see life outside of the covering of humanity living under God, living under their designer. So we have the designer and then he creates humanity and humanity has decided we're going to step out from underneath how God designed us. And we're going to have define our own identity. So the main theme running from three to 11, which I don't know how long it will take us to get through three to 11, but I want the main thing that we're going to have different stories. We're going to go through Cain and Abel. We're going to go through Lamech. We're going to go through Noah. We're going to go through the tower of Babel. Um, in all those stories, the, the main storyline, the main plot, although there's all different stuff happening is this downward spiral. The author is giving us this picture of the downward spiral spiral of humanity as we have stepped out from underneath the covering underneath the Lordship. 
So it's kind of, I, in my head, I was thinking of it as, uh, this isn't as clean and cut as you would say, uh, a Marvel movie where it's very obvious that as we move forward, that this is the protagonist and this is the antagonist, that this is the good guy and everything he does is awesome. And this is the bad guy and everything about him is evil. If we look at our own lives and I'll just say for me that in each different situation, I switch between the two. We are not perfect people. And so when we look through the old Testament, when we look through these stories, these, these, these are imperfect people walking this road. So the main, the main theme is this downward spiral. So we don't want to get too. we don't want to look at each individual person and say, now this is how we should handle every situation. We will unpack and see what the Lord and the author is telling us through these stories. But as we go through this, this main theme is that humanity has stepped out from underneath the covering underneath from the Lordship and the reign of God as King of God as creator. And now they're in this downward spiral of being their own bosses, deciding for themselves what's good and evil. And remember, as we unpack Genesis, Genesis was the story, the creation account that we took so much time to do was the story of God taking chaos and bringing order out of it. And now humanity is going backwards on that. And they're running headlong into chaos as they step out from underneath that covering. That makes sense. So that's going to be weeks to come weeks to come. And then Genesis, just to give you a a big overview of Genesis. Then when we hit 12, the whole book, the whole literary design is going to take a shift. Uh, We're going to, it goes from three through 11 is well, one through 11 is this big universe, cosmic earth, all of humanity, uh, Adam and Eve are representing all of humanity. It's big picture, big picture. And then we get to verse 12 and it zooms down to one family. And so if you can imagine, if I can keep going with like movie themes and there's probably a million movies like this and I can't think of one right now, but I'm sure in your mind's eye, you can picture it. Imagine this movie opens up and whatever. It's just action like crazy. Maybe there's explosions. There's just tons of things happening, tons of things happening. Maybe it's disastrous, although creation is not disastrous, but there's just a ton of things happening for the first five minutes of this movie. And then the screen goes dark. And then all of a sudden it comes back and it's one person. And the, that story, the literary design or the thematic design of that is to tell you all that has happened here now is going to lay in this one person. This one person is now going to continue the story to where we either we were seeing the future here, whatever it may be. Can you picture a movie, something like this towards craziness and all of a sudden and it's. Like one, I, like in my head, I'm picturing just one person waking up like in a quiet room type thing. It's that's what we're going to do. Chapter 12 is going to go boom. Here's, here's the, here's the beginning of this rescue mission that God is going to go on through his son, Jesus Christ moving forward. So we're still, I'm, I'm going ahead, but I want to get us in a uh, really 50,000 foot view of Genesis. So we're all on the same page. We're all good. Three through 11, the downward spiral of humanity living for themselves. Um, So let's get into the text. So we see 
we ended last week with a curse to Satan. Now we're into the curse to the woman and the curse to man. And the debate in here is, well, can anybody tell me, call it out. You don't have to raise your hand. Can anybody tell me what was the consequence for eating of the tree? And it's in Genesis two seventeen. What will happen as soon as they eat of the tree? What does God say? Yeah, they'll die, right? So then the debate becomes is, are these curses, uh, how it's referred to as descriptive or prescriptive? So is God heaping, uh, heaping on prescriptive, prescriptive would be that God is now, they're cursed to die. Now God is cursing them. And I'm going to make the case tonight. I think this is descriptive. So what's happening is encased, encompassed in that curse of as soon as you eat of this, you're going to die. These are the repercussions of sin. These are the shock waves of sin that you are, that really is sent through humanity. These are the shock waves that we're still experiencing. We're going to unpack them as we go. <coughs> um, Typically when we read this, I, well, I'll say for me, and you guys can just tell me if you relate or not. For me, it becomes the woman is cursed to have painful labor and man is cursed where he just doesn't enjoy working and work is hard, right? It's, there's, there's labor pains, there's hard work. Those are in there, but actually there's, there's more to unpack here. And it has to do with our identity. God, that, um, there's more wrong with this world than women having labor pains and work being hard, right? There's a lot more wrong with this world. There's a lot more repercussions with sin. So I think something else is being said here. Some, these are examples of something bigger that's happening because it's obvious to anybody. You don't even have to be a Christian to realize there's just brokenness. There's people hurting and you don't have to be working or be in labor to be hurting. People are hurting all over the place. That is uh, a sin issue. So when we read uh, labor pains, what's very interesting, and I do this every week. I hope you guys like Hebrew word studies. I think they're really interesting. It makes things clearer in my head. Not that translations are bad, but I think going back to the Hebrew text is really fun and rad. Um, this same, so we read the, uh, labor pains and then we read the word toil and what man's going through as, as different as the translators have translated for us. And like a lot of words throughout Genesis, these words are only used a few times. So, um, where's this word for me? Uh, at Sabbath is the word. Um, it's only used three times and it's actually the same word. So the same word for what women are going to experience through labor is the same word that what men are experienced through work. And it speaks of more than when we look at it that way, they're sharing in this curse. They're sharing in that the repercussions of sin, that she is going to experience what she's experiencing in, in through labor is also mirrored in what man is experiencing through work. And when, uh, well, we'll get to it as we look at these, the, if we follow that root word to Atsav, which is the 
the root word of that, which is used far more. So the other one's only used three times. Atsav is used far more in scripture and the vast majority uh, there's really only one time where it's used for physical pain. The vast majority it's referred to for sorrow, for uh, anguish, for, so that's where we get toil. We get sorrow. We get, uh, what else are there? Um, pain. We see examples of it in Genesis six. So the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth and he, and he was grieved in his heart. That's heart. That's the same word that is used for the woman's labor pains. And it's the same word that's used for, um, man working, working the ground. Also in Genesis 45, five, speaking of Joseph, when he sees his brothers who sold him into slavery. Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves. Uh, uh, because you sold me for God sent me before you to preserve my life. So we see in these examples, and there's a lot more, but we see in these examples, this is a sorrow. And this points back to, we've been trying to, as much as we can, we've been trying to look, read Genesis the way the author intended it and the way the original audience would have read it. And so for the woman, this isn't just simply that there's pain in the labor, but there's sorrow now. Now there's, there's death on the earth. So now there is, um, who knows if my baby will survive back then the mortality rate of the baby and the mother, mother were through the roof. So there is, there's sorrow in the, this baby being born into this world that now is broken. There is sorrow of now, will this, will this baby survive? There's sorrow in what she has been uh, designed to do. And the same thing with the man, there is now not just that work is hard, but it is, this is emotional, this sorrow. There's a, there's an inward uh, brokenness. That's not simply this is physically hard, but that, or this is a physical pain, but this is sorrow. This is emotional. This is part of this brokenness. So as we see that instead of it just being hard work and labor pains now, hopefully in your mind's eye, these, the two repercussions that he describes to male and female are now a little bit closer linked, right? They share that same word. Now let's look back at what was the identity or not the identity? It is our identity, but what was the job description? There's a couple, but in Genesis one, when God makes man and woman in his image, can anybody tell me what were some of the things that God said for us to do as human beings when he created us? Be fruitful, multiply, boom, one. Right. Rule and subdue. So we see our identity these, these root cores to what God has designed us to do. Now he's, he's not saying that these are the only things you'll experience. He's saying at your very core, as I've designed you, that being fruitful and multiplying will, will be full of sorrow, be full of anguish, will be full of physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain. It's going to be hard. And then he's also saying that for you to rule and subdue the earth, to cultivate the earth and to, to go about and, and bring, continue my creation and to cultivate it is now going to be hard as well. And so these, these, this core identity of us, is now broken. That's what he's telling him. He, he, it's not, um, if we simply, the labor pains one, especially for me just gets me. Cause if we, if we just read it as labor pains, that sound, that seems so odd to me. It just seems like 
you're going to have labor pains now. And that's the only thing that's addressed. But when we see it as our God is telling them because of your sin, because you stepped out from underneath, I designed you and you have taken and you have stepped out from underneath that. So now the core of who you are, the core of who you are is broken. So of course he doesn't go through and name everything that's going to be wrong, but the core of us, who we are is broken. Therefore everything coming from that is broken, right? So we see from this curse that it's not simply labor pains and, and hard work, but it's that we have been broken, broken at the very core. And now we're, we're moving forward. I was, uh, I run the care ministry and, um, this last, uh, I don't know, Friday, last, this last Friday, I went and visited, uh, a girl in the hospital I'm hoping she walks in tonight, but I visit her in the hospital, um, just going through some rough health stuff, uh, sitting with her, uh, with another lady who goes to our church, who happens to be a nurse who is on her floor. So it was just really rad that the Lord worked that out. And so we're talking with her. And, um, if you have spent any time at all witnessing, um, and witnessing is like a heavy term. I think just having conversations with people about the Lord. Um, but if you've had any time, I, you'll come across this question and I don't, it's a good question, but she asked, um, in so many words, she asked, why do bad things happen to good people? And she's going through a hard time and she wants to know, like, I've prayed, I've talked to God why is this happening? And I can sympathize with that, right? We can't, we sympathize with that. Like it makes sense that, Hey, like I'm hurting. So I talk to God. I've, I've come to him with this problem. Why isn't this fixed? Why do, why are bad things happening with this good God? When we, as we've been going through Genesis, I'm, I'm, I hope that as we go through, I've been helping to unpack that humanity is not the, we are not the hero of this story. We are not the main event in this story. Um, And what I explained to her was the brokenness of this earth. I explained to her that we have, this is not God causing problems. This is not God causing her sickness. This is not causing God causing disaster, but this is humanity. This is the repercussions. This is the brokenness of we have been broken now at our core and we are living out from underneath this covering. This is like us. uh, This is like somebody holding an umbrella over our head in the pouring rain. And then we step out, we, we push that person away we step out from underneath that umbrella and then we yell at the person hold, trying to hold the umbrella over our head. Why, why, are, why are you letting me get wet? This is, this is our choice that we've stepped out from underneath this and now this brokenness, these, this is what we live with. And I can't think of an analogy to, to take this further, but when we see that we are not the main event, that remember when we just, uh, we unpacked Genesis day six, that day six isn't the, the pinnacle of creation, although we are made in his image. Day seven 
It was that God created a temple that the earth was the temple where God and man would live together. And so the Lord has created this temple. And then we are to be his workmen here on the earth. We are to bear his image. We are to be his image bearers reflecting him and his creativity and his character uh, throughout the world. Right? So the God has, has made us this way. When we view ourselves as the hero, then no matter what we do, God owes us something. But when we view ourselves as an, as an employee that God has, God created the earth for him. He created the temple for him and he allows us to be his, how he designed us. He allows us to be the caretakers of this temple. And in doing so, he's so good that he allows us to have community and fellowship and a relationship with him on this earth. That was Eden. And we also see just super fast forward. We see that's what he's getting us back to in revelation that he's going to restore where we are living together. The tree of life is in revelation We're we're the revelation mirrors uh, the creation story and that God doesn't abandon and then, well, I messed up. We need to do that again. He's a restorer. So he's going to take broken things and he's going to fix them and make them more beautiful than they ever were. That's how he takes uh, all things and works them together for good. Right? So he, he, he has created this world for him. And then when we view it that way, we get, it should humble us to where then it's not, the question isn't why do bad things happen to good people? It then really, I think the appropriate question is, why do good things happen at all? We have stepped out from underneath this covering. Why are we even around? Why are we alive? Why do we experience friendship, family, love, joy? Uh, I mean, as simple as walking outside and enjoying the weather. Why do we experience that stuff? Grace. He's having grace on all of humanity. He doesn't owe us anything. We've stepped out from underneath his covering and still good things are happening. Unsaved. Those who are running after their sin, loving their sin, no intent on ever stopping their sin are still experiencing grace, common grace every day. The Lord wakes them up. They experience a broken world, but they're alive, right? And so when we view it in that way, we're humbled in that, wow, we all experience grace. And then how much more does it mean then that we have stepped out? We have rebelled. This wasn't for us. The Lord has created a place for him and then allowed us by grace, by through his love and mercy, allowed us to have relationship with him. And then in all that goodness just said, don't do one thing. And we majored on the one thing that we couldn't do. And we was like, well, forget that. I want to have everything, everything. And then we rebelled and still he has grace on us. And what does he do? So we see uh, through the rest of the chapter, we see before God, so he, he describes the curse to them. So he describes their brokenness basically through it. And then what does he do before he pushes them out into, all right, here's the world you created, you little kings. What does he do before 
uh, he sends him out. Right. So this is what the Lord, this is again, his grace. He's so remember last week we unpacked that as soon as Adam and Eve sinned before God was even there, remember we unpacked that they tried to cover themselves with the fig leaves. So, so they're ashamed. They don't know why they're ashamed, but they're all of a sudden ashamed because here's one thing we didn't even go over last week is that you have Adam and Eve. So we have God who says, this is what's good. And this is what's evil. We have God who is making the rules and he calls us as his people to trust his judgment that as our creator, even though we may want some things that he, what he says is right because he knows he made us. He knows how we're wired. He knows what will hurt us. And even if there's pleasure in it for a moment, he knows what's ultimately going to damage us. Right? So Adam and Eve rebel and step out from under that. Now they're two different people. So now Adam and Eve are not only experiencing the rebellion from underneath God's covering, but think of the world. What's a common thought or, or uh, theme in our culture today is that to live your own truth, right? So Adam and Eve are now, they don't, they're not mind readers. So Eve now is the decider of what's good and evil in her mind. And Adam's the decider of what's good and evil in his mind. And there's like a, there's a chasm then that, that happens between them two. And so that's why they're, they're covering themselves with this fig leaves before God even shows up because now they're ashamed of each other of I, I, I'm an Island now. I'm, I'm the Lord of my life and I'm going to make up what's right and wrong for me. And I guess you're going to make up what's right or wrong for you. And I'm not sure what that means. And so now they start to self atone Remember, and self defend themselves. So the Lord then comes in and before he cast them out, before he cast them out, he closed them. And I referenced Bill Federer last week and I'll do it again because he does the same part. But when he unpacks this part of Genesis, it's, uh, the sight that that must have been in that, yeah, the death of an animal that to get skin, to close someone with skin, what did God have to do? Had to get the skin off that animal, which means kill that animal. And so Adam and Eve are probably seeing the blood of this animal, blood of this innocent, beautiful creature being spilled out for them. And the first picture of they've heard the consequences of sin. They've felt the consequences of sin in themselves of wanting to hide themselves. And now they're seeing, they're seeing the lifeblood of an animal pour out as the Lord then covers them. Again, all this should not point us to that. God is cruel, but it should point us to, wow, he is so gracious that he didn't in that moment go forget humanity. You guys are done. I'm going to, I'm going to continue to to exist without you, but just gracious. And he closed them and he sends them out into this world where we're going to unpack where this downward spiral continues of Adam and Eve struggling as they're broken at their core. And we're going to see story after story of humanity progressing and they continue to do their job are, we don't lose in Adam and Eve when they sin, we don't lose the Imago day and we don't lose our job description, but it's broken. 
And we see humanity spiraling, spiraling downward, further downward, further downward, further as this broken humanity is, is falling apart and running back towards chaos. And, and then, like I said, in the beginning in chapter 12, we're going to see this character come into the scene where the Lord is um, going to begin his re- redemptive work. And so through all these next few chapters, these next weeks, maybe a couple months, we're actually going to see a lot of genealogies too. And so if those are new to you, uh, we're not going to, I don't, I don't know yet, but I don't plan on, just teaching through a ton of genealogies because honestly, I don't even know how, Um, but we'll unpack them a little bit. There's some cool stuff in the genealogies that I hope to unpack for you guys as we, we go through it, but this is the brokenness of our world. And so I always want something. I always try at the end of, as I'm writing the message to have, not just to unpack what scripture is saying. And I, I trust that the Holy spirit is speaking through it. I know that the, the word of God is living And so whether I give you a bullet point or not, I know that as we hear the word together, that our lives are changed, but I also try to have something tangible to take away. And it it would be that in the question that I encountered in the hospital this week is that why do bad things happen to good people? And that should be an encouragement as we can explain. It's a jumping off. It's a great question. And it's a jump off point for the gospel. It's a jump off, jump off point for the good news is that, bad things happen in this world and it's not God chasing us down and cursing us and cursing us, but it's that we are broken at our core and that we are experiencing the, the shockwave of, of sin running through our humanity. And the only thing that can change that is us stepping back under the covering of Christ. Now, what that doesn't mean is so we're a room full of believers, right? There's a lot. I don't know all of your salvation, but I know all your faces. So I think we're all saved. Um, do all of you still experience pain, right? We still do. So it's, this isn't, this is a, another mindset. We have to walk people through as we explain the gospel to this. This is the concept of the now and not yet. Um, how I can explain this is that we have rebelled and stepped out from underneath this covering, right? And now we're in this portion. We're experiencing God's grace as he's allowing humanity time. He's giving humanity time. Um, We've gone through scripture. Christ has come. He's paid for our sin. He's stepped in our place and he's been that animal. He's spilled that innocent blood that we would be covered in that blood that now the God sees us as righteous because Christ stepped in and paid for us. Correct. So now as we go through life, we are seen as righteous, but Christ's kingdom has not fully come here on this earth. And so uh, we're going to see it in, in Exodus, how um, I use this to describe musical worship all the time, but in Exodus 15, God's chosen people were set free from the thing that enslaved them. And the first thing they did was they sang a song. So in Exodus 15, God's chosen people freed from Pharaoh. They saw that thing enslaved them, that enslaved them vanquished before their eyes. We are still in that time where we still see kingdoms, rulers, call them Pharaohs, call them whatever you want that are anti-God. God has in his grace, hasn't fully come and vanquished 
all of the, the kings and rulers who are trying to rebel um, on this earth, right? We still see brokenness in this earth. And so, although we may not feel from our vantage point that God has solved all of our problems, we know as believers that he's the answer to all of our problems. We know that through him, we can have peace that passes all understanding. That was a a verse that I was um, given to that girl is that we know that the time is coming. We know that through faith that Jesus will come and it won't be the now and not yet, but it will be the now moment where Jesus comes and really does vanquish every, um, every name, every King, every idea that tries to elevate itself on this earth and live outside underneath his covering and time will have run out and he will reign with his church, with his bride. So those of us who are saved and in that moment, it will be what humanity longs for. It will be no more brokenness and it will be no more pain. And he will have fully mended this brokenness to our core, which we're seeing through the curse. He will have fully mended this and we will be experiencing and living in the new heaven and the new earth. So it's not get out of here. This ship is sinking and go there, but it's Jesus coming and bringing the new heaven and the new earth here and reigning with his church here. And we won't be experiencing any pain. And so this is the jumping off point that we can have for, for a world who experiences a lot of pain and can't understand why are bad things happening to good people. And like I said, the question really is when you read the story, why does anything good happen at all? And it's because we have a gracious God who's giving us time, who's giving us time to be, to come to know him as he is pursuing us and running after us to redeem us. Make sense. So as we go through the next weeks and months, um, we're going to unpack these stories, these genealogies, the Cain and Abel, the Lamech, the Noah, the tower of Babel. And we're going to go through all this and there's going to be lessons through all of them. But keep in mind that as all these stories are happening, like think of, Star Wars or think of Lord of the Rings or any kind of trilogy you want, any movie that's long. Uh, there's all kinds of things happening, right? There's all kinds of characters and all, there's all these kind of sub stories and it jumps from here. I think of Star Wars because I think that's like a main thing and how they make those movies. It's like you're jumping from planet to planet. It's like five minutes of this part, five minutes of this part. So there's all these stories happening, but what holds all that together? There's this main storyline. There's this main plot that's happening, right? And it's this battle of good and evil and the balance of the force. And let's get really nerdy with it. But there's all that happening. And if you just focus, if you forget the main plot, then you don't understand what's happening as you're jumping around. So as we're going to be going through this story, we're going to be unpacking these little things from the weeks and months to come. But just understand that three through 11 is we're just starting this trajectory. We're just start going to go, start going down, 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 down. Humanity is just down worse, 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 worse. And then we're going to see in chapter 12, whenever we get there, we're going to see the beginning of, like I was saying, that thematic chaos is happening. Screen goes dark. And then somebody waking up in their bed. And then we're going to see, okay, God is choosing to bless all of humanity through this one person. And we're going to see the redemption story take off. And we're going to see ourselves in all of that.